This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome. Uh, it's Tuesday, 16 August, year of our Lord, 2022. You're in the battleground. And, uh, of course, it's game day in Alaska and in Wyoming. Uh, very intense fights going on. The two dynasties about to fall. But there's so much else going on at the same time, particularly in battleground states. We've got Vernon Jones from Georgia discuss this grand jury. We've got uh, Mark Fincham from Arizona and Emerald Robinson. Both Emerald Robinson and Mark Fincham have been attacked by the mainstream media uh, because of their courage and, and stepping out in front of MAGA. I want to go to Mark Fincham first in Arizona. Mark Fincham, you made the, uh, I, I saw the sweeping victory a couple of weeks ago. You kind of led the ticket uh, uh, with the blowout. Um, you're up against a Soros back guy. And of course, CNN's got to come in right away with the first piece on oh, you yeah. after <clears throat> the campaign. Instead of, instead of congratulating you for your amazing win with no money, no cash, the K file, which is supposed to be their investigative investigative unit. Uh, they come after you hard. I, I think you, you've got a secret hit list. You've got a secret hit list of people guilty of treason. Is that what K-Files telling me? Well, it's the treason watch list. So it's it's quite a list. And I'm sure you appreciate some of the names on it. Janet Napolitano, who, by the way, said every returning veteran should be deemed a domestic terrorist. Hmm. Then you've got John Kerry, who's sleeping with the enemy. Eric Swalwell, also sleeping with the enemy. So there's a lot of notable figures there. And of course, they don't like the idea that I encourage people to purchase ammunition while you can. So my response to that and the attack that they were going after me on, it's like, well, how's that any different than the IRS? Crickets. What are they, are, are they, they trying to, let, let's talk about, well, let's talk about this, the race. Let's talk about, we're past the primary. Uh, you're obviously President Trump's endorsed candidate. You were the one of the mainstays of the big, uh, the big steal that we got to get to the bottom of this. But you're running against, uh, you know, Katie Hobbs got a lot of media publicity, but she's running for governor. You've got um, you've got the the two in, uh, in in one in Colorado and one in Michigan that are obviously household names. Uh, you know, Jenna Griswold and. Uh, and, and and so those are household names running for secretaries of state. They have not moved on yet, but you're yeah. up against a source can't that really hasn't gotten a lot of attention. Why don't you K file? I, and, and I know K file is not going to go and do an investigative report of him, but tell me, tell me about this guy. What, what, tell us about the opposition and the difference in this campaign as we roll up to November 8th. Yeah. So uh, breaking news this morning, Adrian Fontes, who, by the way, was the county recorder for the Maricopa County 2020 election. Yep, that's the exact same guy. So he apparently has received a direct donation from George Soros for $5,000. Apparently George didn't understand you can give up to $5,300, but as much money as they're gonna amass in this, they're probably looking at about two and a half million that they're gonna run in that uh, Secretary of State race. But Adrian Fontes had a hand in Fast and Furious. Yeah, that old buckle under the Obama administration. And then, of course, he was the one responsible for running the 2020 election in Maricopa County. Now, keep in mind, he was sued by his own leftist, Katie Hobbs, Secretary of State, because he wanted to just indiscriminately open emergency voting centers and facilitate early voting and without any legislative authority whatsoever. He wanted to flood the zone with ballots to everyone without legislative authority. and. We, we all think it was a setup. Of course, Katie Hobbs sued him. And then we have the, the consent decree, which is the, the executive branch colluding with the judicial branch to create new law. So what he's done in his history is demonstrated that he's lawless. He doesn't care about the law. He doesn't care about the public policy that the legislature tells uh, the recorders to follow. So I have every reason to believe that he's going to behave the same way in the Secretary of State 
uh, position. If if we, we we can't let this guy anywhere near the keys to the kingdom when it comes to election integrity and security. He has proven that he is not trustworthy. I mean, in fact, the evening of the budget debate, he's that was the same night that Roe v. Wade was overturned. He's down at the Veterans Plaza encouraging people to come down and protest. Well, that's trigger word for come down and let's have a riot. So he's right at the epicenter of all of those memorials to the died, to the fallen veterans with spray paint all over the, and defacing all of these monuments. That's that guy. Um, talk to me about Fast and Furious. What's his involvement there? Apparently he was an attorney, well, is an attorney, who had a hand in, I don't know directly what his responsibility was, but as I understand it, he got swept up into, uh, and I'm not sure if it was defense or defending people or defending the, the operation, what it was, but uh, we're still doing our opposition research, but it was very interesting to see that he was directly involved there. What, um, he's kind of the railhead of a lot of the technical problems that occurred in Maricopa County. You had the, you had the, uh, the Republican, what is a committee men, councilmen, whatever, that were a nightmare. And you had guys like Bill Gates, all they do is whine, whine, whine. But this guy was actually inside, right? He, he was, he was with the County recorder. Talk to me about what his right. specific job was that even Katie Hobbs, and I realize it looks like a setup, but even Katie Hobbs had to try to throw a net over him. Yeah, so he was also there in 2018. So this is a longstanding problematic individual. So the, the, the responsibility of the county recorder is to prepare ballots to be sent out, prepare ballots to be voted at the polls, to see to it that everything is squared away before the election. Then during the election, the elections director takes over. That individual is responsible, he's an employee of the county supervisors. So Everything up to the moment the election begins is the responsibility of the county recorder. So when you've got dirty voter rolls, when you have um, ballots that may be incomplete, when you've got ballots that are being mailed to individuals that don't exist, uh, that all lands at the doorstep of the county recorder, and that was Adrian Fontes. It, hold it. Stop. Right, full stop right there. Given all the problems with just the segments, the categories, You've outlined yeah. no rational human being, no independent or moderate Democrat could want this guy anywhere near, anywhere near uh, being secretary of state. It, it, not just was the 2020 election bring international focus on on um, on Arizona. This last debacle. I mean, the Arizona is this is for the good of Arizona and going forward as a major state because the future is so bright for Arizona. But you got to You got to clean up the, the voting situation. Nobody could could have given just the massive problems and questions you've had in his area of expertise, which I say he's a railhead of a lot of the problems that went on just technically. How could this guy possibly run with a straight face? Well, because he's a leftist. He's a hardcore leftist, just like Katie Hobbs. And they, he's talking to the echo chamber base. I don't think he's got the right kind of gravity for bringing in mainstream um, conservative Democrats. By the way, there's a lot of them out there, people who are appalled to see what's going on in the Democratic Party. They're not leftists. They're liberals. They're not Marxists. They're liberals. And their, their opinion of the leftist ideology is repugnant to them. So we now are focused on making sure that folks understand the job of the Senior elections official in the state of Arizona, that would be the secretary of state, is to see to it that everyone who has a hand in election, from the supervisors to the recorders to the elections directors, all the way down to the employees that work for each county that, that deal with elections, that they live by the law, that they follow the law. That is the job of the secretary of state to see to it that nobody has their thumb on the scale of election justice. Now, once you're elected to the secretary of state's role, you really do have to take your partisan hat off and see to it that the office is serving people, not party. And right now, under Katie Hobbs, it's clearly serving a party. It's not serving the people. So I, I think you're right. How do you, with a straight face, 
vote for a guy who is so rabidly liberal out on social media. I mean, I'm sorry, so rabidly leftist out on social media. He's, he doesn't have liberal ideology. He has leftist ideology. You know, talking about bringing people down to the, the plaza to, to riot, to deface monuments, that kind of thing. That's not what people want to vote for. They want to have a secretary yeah. of state who's going to be boring, who's going to just follow the law yeah. and see that everybody else follows the law. Hard stop. Uh, he's going to get source. He's a source back candidate. He's going to raise many millions of dollars. That means you've got to get competitive in this race. Mark, how do people get to you, your campaign now that the primary is over? And how do they follow you on social media? Yeah, I am the Republican nominee for the secretary of state in Arizona. They can go to votefincham.com. That's V-O-T-E, F like Frank, I-N-C-H-E-M.com. And please click on the donate button. We're going to have to raise two and a half million dollars and we got about 82 days to do it. So dig deep, ladies and gentlemen, dig deep because we are going to have a fight on our hands. This is going to be this is going to be a rugby with knives. It's going to be very tough. Uh, Mark Fincham, thank you very much. And uh, I wouldn't sweat the K-File CNN story too much. It's kind of a nothing burger. But uh, thank you for coming on today. Well, I mean, what about the IRS? Pathetic. Okay, let's go to, uh, I got Vernon, I got Emma Robinson with another a smear of Emma Robinson that you're not going to believe this story. But I want to start with, uh, go to Vernon Jones. Vernon Jones in Georgia. Uh, Rudy Giuliani, the, you know, the media is melting down. Uh, uh, you've got John Bolton saying, you know, it's so terrible for Rudy. I feel so bad. Can you walk, honestly, exactly what is going on? You've been a Democrat. You were a Democrat before you flipped to MAGA. For, for many decades. Can you just tell us structurally, I, I, you don't represent Rudy. I got that. You're, you're a buddy of his, as I am, and we think highly of him, right? And you're a MAGA warrior. But can you just walk us through what is going on in, uh, in Fulton County, sir? Yeah. What you have on Georgia's statute, state statute, is what you call a special purpose grand jury. The judge agrees for this to happen back in May. It's, it'll be about 200 witnesses. They would come together, and when I should, I should say, you have 200, about 200 witnesses, I understand, is going to be called. You have a jury pool, and they would come before that grand jury and talk about what happened with Donald Trump's phone call. As a result of that, they would gather that information, the district attorney will, and come back and make recommendations to the government. At the same time, that special purpose grand jury has absolutely no, in, absolutely no indictment powers because it's not for that purpose. It's for government operations. But what they can do is the district attorney can come back, and based on your sworn testimony, she can come back or he can come back and, and impanel a grand jury, criminal grand jury, that gives the powers and the authority to indict a person. So what we have in Georgia going on right now is a special purpose grand jury without any indictment powers, but it is sworn, into, it's sworn testimony, and anybody who goes before that, that grand jury, that special purpose grand jury, can uh, be indicted in a subsequent criminal uh, in, in panel grand jury. Vernon, but let me okay, tell you, so here's what, that, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. That's the clearest, that's the, cl that, that's the clearest explanation I've gotten. But every night on MSNBC and CNN, it's like, they don't say the part that's civil. It's like criminal, they're going to indict Trump, they're going to indict Rudy, they got this indictment, that indictment, you've got the, you've got the, uh, the fake electors, it's all about that, this thing's moving. I mean, literally every day. In fact, it wasn't until I talked to you that I said, well, hold it, I didn't understand that. I don't think anybody does. This is you're saying this special grand jury is actually civil. Now, it can lead to criminal, I guess, charges. But wouldn't that have to go to wouldn't that just be recommended? They can't follow criminal charges. Whether they do you go to another grand jury or you go to a prosecutor? How does it actually go exactly. from a civil situation? It looks like government functions or government operations to go to the criminal part. Yeah, see, the, the original statute, the intent was to allow for government operations review. And this grand jury, special purpose grand jury, will make recommendations uh, to the government. Hey, here's something that's not functioning right. But what we saw happen in the past 15 to 20 years, starting in Gwinnett County, you had a district attorney 
who lured in a target into a special purpose grand jury, knowing that person walking in and saying, hey, um, I can't be indicted for this is nothing. I'm just coming in to talk about government operations. However, most cases, you don't, you're not even subpoenaed. You just say, hey, you get an invitation, come in and talk. But when they subpoena you, they get your sworn testimony. They get you to talk thinking there's nothing wrong, not to go in with any type of counsel representing you. And what they do is they get information, come back, and convene a criminal grand jury and indict you. And the other thing, too, when you go to that civil special purpose grand jury, you can actually take a lawyer. That person waits outside. When a prosecutor asks you a question in that grand jury environment, you can take that question, get up, go outside, consult with your counsel, and then come back in and answer that question any way that your counsel gave you advice to answer that. A lot of people don't know that, but that is the purpose of a special purpose grand jury. But it's been abused because they already know you're a target, meaning if you're the target, Steve, and you go in and I go in as a witness, you can tell the truth, I can tell a lie, but they're going to believe my lie and not your truth. Why? Because they want you, and then they'll say that you lied to the grand jury. Let me ask you, I take it this is set up by Georgia statute. It's been used before. What type are cases that people would be familiar with? I, I, I guess it's been used many times to get into what government corruption or government malfeasance or just government incompetence. What are, what are some of the ones that, that you're familiar with that, that may ring a bell in people's minds? Or you could point to something that folks down in Georgia, we get, we're on a big radio station down there, would, uh, would recognize. So let's say if there is a, uh, they want to review what is going on in the finance department. How, you, how do you issue municipal bonds? Or what's going on in your watershed department? So that special purpose grand jury will be, uh, will convene. You come in as government officials and you answer questions. It's an educational thing. But that grand jury can look at that and say, well, wait a minute. We think we can make some recommendations to make this process more functional. So they make recommendations. That's why you cannot indict from that. It's a civil. It is not criminal. In most cases, 99.9% .9 of the time, it has been used for people not to come in from a subpoena, but just to walk in and have a conversation. But what we saw happen, again, originated going back to one of our local counties where a district attorney used that special purpose grand jury to come in, hey, we just want to ask you some questions about government. They start over here asking about A, but they can ask you about everything, including those things that have absolutely nothing to do with that particular area. And all of a sudden, they come back, they get that sworn testimony, the and they convene that yep. criminal grand jury, and you get indicted. It's abuse. I take it it's an abuse. That's is, why Georgia needs to change that. Uh, by the way, one quick thing. I, they I don't even have to tell you that you're go, a target. Go ahead, sir. They, they don't even have to tell you, Steve, that you're a target. They do not have to tell you that you're a target for that special purpose grand jury. It, they can go either way. So guess what? A lot of people don't know they're a target. So this particular case, the district attorney just told uh, Rudy Giuliani just a couple of days ago, you are a target. Two days before he goes to appear, um, why didn't he say that? Or they say that in the very beginning. But really, they didn't have to say that he was a target. They could he just could have come on in and they would have just uh, handled business as usual. So at least he had some time to realize there's a target. Yeah. And remember this, all the news <laughs> broke within the past 48 hours. Oh, Rudy Giuliani is now a target. Yeah, but nobody realized it was of a civil. Okay, let me ask you a dumb question. I'm from Virginia, and you know the Georgia, you Georgia guys are much farther ahead than us, so I'm a little slow. If you have a special purpose grand jury that's supposed to look at government functions and the, how things are going on, how come one could have never been impaneled by this district attorney on all the problems we had in 2020 in Fulton County in the election? I mean, I've been all over the country, Michigan, Pennsylvania, you know, um, uh, Wisconsin, Arizona, all of it, and, and, and Nevada, that by far, by two orders of magnitude, even worse than Maricopa County, is Fulton County and all the problems down there. Why was a special grand jury uh, on a civil side not, not impaneled on that and then could lead to criminal about Raffensburg, Raffensburg and how this whole thing was run, even the people running the election? In Fulton County, which you, I think more than anybody, 
were an expert at walking through what all the shortcomings were, sir. Well, you're absolutely right. And that was the intent of the law. So if there were questions, public questions and concerns about the election process, that would have been a perfect venue to gather those who have worked in, around, involved, a part of the elections from the state to the local levels to say, hey, here's how we got to having drop-off boxes from the very beginning. Here was the, the uh, settlement agreement with Stacey Abrams. Here's why we did this and here's why we did that. And you gather that information and then you come forth with a report. And in that report, it should be recommendations on, okay, here's how this happened, but we think things would be better if it were done this way. So here's some recommendations. You guys can go back and use them or not use them to make your elections more efficient and more effective, as opposed to looking at Trump as a target because he made a phone call to President to uh, the Secretary of State. And by the way, Steve, remember this. Trump had his lawyers available at that conference call, and so did Raffensperger. Lawyers are talking. Any given time, somebody could have said, hey, we're not going to talk about this, or hey, you intimidate my client. But it was a conversation. And how do you hold your people, the elected officials, accountable if you can't ask them questions? Go to hearings. Go to some of these uh, protests about the elections. You hear a lot more worse stuff. Should they be indicted? So this became political. It strictly was political only. This was for political purposes, as opposed to really getting down to let's review the efficiency and the effectiveness of elections. Hey, I had to oversee uh, an elections department. Uh, I know how elections work. They happen at the local levels, roll up to the federal level. A lot of things are happening on the local level. Let's educate people so they can understand. But it's been made a political football. Now you have people being targeted for criminal activities when it's more political than anything else. Vernon, how can people uh, get you on social media? Because obviously in the next 24 to 48 hours, this will be one of the number one stories in the world, what happens in Georgia. And I understand that you're a, uh, a big supporter and, and, and very close friend of Mayor Giuliani. H how do people follow you on social media? Well, well I'm a big supporter of, of free, and free, fair, and transparent elections. Let me say that. And certainly I'm a friend of uh, Rudy Giuliani. Um, and and I, I support everybody. I think there's a presumptions of, of innocence until found guilty. We forget all about that. But you can go to social media, Vernon Jones for Georgia on uh, Twitter and Facebook and uh, love to hear from people. But I'm glad you gave me an opportunity to share information, accurate information that's not politically motivated. Rudy is a good friend of mine, but people need to be educated on how uh, these grand jury proceedings work. No, I think it's pretty stunning. I don't think anybody's really laid it out like you have, Vernon. Honored to have you on here and very thankful for you to explain it to everybody. Peace out. War room is always hot. Vernon Jones down in Georgia. Um, want to bring in Emerald Robinson. And I ask uh, Logan and the team in Memphis if we can make sure that we've got this. Uh, this, and we got Naomi Wolf with the great War Room investigative squad, the great Amy Kelly, and of course, the 3500 War Room warriors that are doing the research and the 250 lawyers. But I got to tell you, Emerald, I don't think I've ever seen something like this in my life. The headline of the story in your sub, I was right about the Pfizer CEO. And it, it, it took uh, Jordan Shocktel, who used to work for me at Breitbart many years ago, actually reading a bio. But I want you to walk through the story. It, it's It's too powerful. And particularly in this moment when I think now a lot's coming out that even mainstream sources and, and people that have not been part of the anti-vax crowd or questioning the vax or questioning the mask or questioning everything are now open to starting to hear. So so the, the story is from your Substack. I was right about the Pfizer CEO. It's by Emerald Robinson. It's brilliantly written. And what I love is you connected every every tweet, every excerpt from the book. So it's it's a fairly definitive piece I would love to see these the response of the CEO. Why don't you walk through the whole thing? What happened uh, and, and where do we stand now? Well, look, for me, the story related to Burla, the Pfizer CEO, started on August 5th when I tweeted uh, a story from the Jerusalem Post about the fact that he, and it is fact, which is now 
uh, more people know, which I knew at the time, that he had canceled a trip in December to Israel because remember Israel had already instituted the uh, fully fully vaxxed travel restrictions in their country. He was supposed to go there, but he had to cancel his trip because. But, but, but hang on, hold, hold, hold. I, I just, but hang on, hang on. I just want to make hang. On. I just want to make sure everyone understands. This is not August fifth a week ago. This is August fifth of twenty twenty one. Correct. Correct of twenty. Yes. So I want to make sure this this is for, for this is from time. a year ago. Yes. Yes. This is from a year yeah, ago. So walk us through. You you tweeted here. out then. That's my point. Then, Keep going. And, uh, I tweeted it out then, and I'll tell you, Steve. Sometimes I knew when I would tweet. And now we all know I'm banned from Twitter that you're probably going to get an explosive reaction. This one I really didn't think would uh, have the kind of effect that it did, but almost immediately I started getting hammered and smeared and I started getting all these responses, but particularly from the Dispatch, that blog that was started by Stephen Hayes, formerly of the Weekly Standard and National Review, uh, I'll say quote unquote writer, Jonah Goldberg. They did a full page rebuttal on this. They took a statement from Pfizer saying that it was categorically false, that the Pfizer CEO, Burla, had been uh, vaccinated for months. Uh, Stephen Hayes took to Twitter to say that I'm a frequent purveyor of bad information and that which I take as a compliment coming from Stephen Hayes, but I've known him for some time and I think it's a little bit twofold. But I immediately knew, Steve, that then that there was probably big pharma money going into the fact checking, which we didn't know so much at the time. Emerald, hang on one second. We'll take a short commercial break. Emma Robinson's with us. Naomi Wolf, blockbuster story about the CEO of Pfizer. We'll continue it in a moment. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out. Peter Navarro in leg irons for simply doing his constitutional duty. Now they want to put Peter in prison for standing up for Donald Trump. Please go to Amazon right now and order Taking Back Trump's America to help fund Peter's legal defense. Taking Back Trump's America provides a critical MAGA blueprint to put Trump back in the White House in 2024. Buy Taking Back Trump's America on Amazon today. If they can put Peter Navarro in prison, they can come for all of us.
War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome back. I have Emerald Robinson and Naomi Wolf's going to join us shortly. Emerald, just to set up, you sent a tweet out on the 5th of August of 2021, a year ago. Said you had sources you knew that Borla, the, the CEO of Pfizer, had canceled a trip to Israel the previous December which was 20, that was on the initial rollout. That's when, you know, President Trump, we had this fiasco about the election, but the vaccine was going to start being rolled because he wasn't vaccinated. And then Stephen Hayes, formerly of, you know, one of the kings of the never Trumpers, uh, who had been at Fox, uh, who just left Fox here recently in a a big, you know, huff about Trump. Uh, He has a dispatch with Jonah Goldberg, another Trump hater. They came after you. And when you see this series of tweets, I mean, it was, how do I say, I'm not a lawyer, but defamatory. I mean, they came in hard, right? That you were a purveyor of, of, of false information that, and these are not people on the left. This is the standard stock group from the, the weekly standard. This is kind of founded by Murdoch. These are, he was, he was a big time contributor uh, to Fox news. He was always on Fox news. So take us from there. You you tweet, you 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 say you know this, uh the company denies it, the dispatch is all over you. You're they're in a full beatdown. What happens from there? Mm-hmm. Well, look, it's not too long after that that I'm fully banned from Twitter for more critical tweets of the COVID vaccine, but I will say what it's important for the audience to know is at that point I had already pointed out in reporting that Groups like the National Review, who purported to be conservative, had been taking big tech money, right? They'd been taking money to censor conservatives even before we got to the COVID pandemic and COVID-19. So I had a bit of a history uh, with Hayes and uh, Jonah Goldberg. In fact, I had written a piece called The Collapse of, Collapse of the Never Trump Conservatives and the American Spectator, I think it was 2018, that had really set them off. But then we now know also on top of that, that uh, Pfizer has been funding fact-checking via, you know, Facebook. So there's been a lot of money to control the narrative on vaccines. So after that, there was a lot of so-called conservatives who wanted to, you know, stay away from me because of these state defamatory tweets and because I was being accused of lying. I knew it was true. Even the Jerusalem Post had done a story on it, but they tried to contextualize it later. You fast forward to a year, and this is what often happens, and you know this, and Naomi knows this very well, Well, Dr. Naomi Wolf, because they did the same thing with her and her uh, post about menstrual cycles for women that is now, everyone's admitting that it's true, but she was censored back then, and they don't apologize for that. Um, but now you fast forward a year later, and you get a good investigative reporter, which just reading a book shouldn't be that hard for lots of reporters to do, right? But the majority of them don't do that anymore because journalism is just dead. Jordan Schachtel reads the book and he finds that Berla gives an account about this event in which he could not go to Israel because he was not vaccinated. In fact, in the Wall Street Journal review of the book, which Schachtel points out, even Netanyahu's whose wife was, quote unquote, aghast. She uh, he says that uh, Netanyahu said to him, my wife, who is sitting next to me, is asking when you plan to vaccinate yourself, what shall I tell her? Now, according to the dispatch, he got vaccinated in March. He says he was fully vaccinated in March. He just has COVID now, too, this week, which broke, I think, yesterday. Uh, But he was not vaccinated at the time. It's absolutely true. There's nothing false about my statement or what I said. And yet all these, you know, outlets, particularly the dispatch, came out to try to smear me in protection of Pfizer and the CEO. Do you think you're also your heroic stand at, uh, at at Newsmax as the White House correspondent and everything? Do you think this had anything to do when they, they started attacking you? Because you were obviously very controversial as a White House correspondent uh, and with that network and, and uh, about your, your position as far as, you know, the vax, et cetera. You think that played into any of that? Absolutely, it did. And I find Alex Berenson's uh, disclosure about the what they have found in discovery related to him and the White House very interesting because you there's Slack messages where officials are talking specifically specifically about talking to a big tech to censor him and to basically pull his account down. So I'd be very interested in uh, how that had an effect on me, because I know that that was a big problem for the White House, the questions that I was asking in the briefing room. It even made 
you know, I would say conservative colleagues and employers nervous because there was this huge push to protect the narrative around the vaccine. As Naomi knows, you just were not allowed and in some cases still are not allowed to criticize it, though so many more people are waking up. And as you said uh, just a few moments ago, I find that in my personal life, you know, even though people knew me, they were critical of what I was saying because their doctors were telling them to trust it, right? But now people are seeing more information for themselves and they're starting to say, well, you know what? That was true. Uh, I don't want to give away your discussions with your lawyers, but has uh, has Steve Hayes or, or General Goldberg or anybody dispatched reached out and said, we apologize, we got that one wrong? Nope. And I think that would be, like I said, has... just, despite any money, I think given our history, I think that's going to be a very hard pill for them to swallow, Steve. That's going to that's going to really but, hurt but, them but, personally. But Jordan shocked. Hold it. But 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 Jordan Jordan shocked. Borla gives it up, and 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 you got to go back. I mean, what was Borla telling his uh, the comms team that was dumping on you at the time? Borla Borla gives it up in his autobiography. He's trying to take a hero's lap for being Mister Vax. He says this, and Shaktel, obviously one of the few guys to read the biography, right? He actually reads the biography and says, hey, I think I remember this incident, right? This is a huge story, yeah, well, and because it gets to the heart of the corruption of, of, of the governments. It gets to the heart of the corruption of big tech and big pharma, but particularly uh, the media. And I think the question you leave out is who's taking money? Right. What, what was was this the spatula come forward, not just with an apology. You think they would come forward and want to be open of how much big pharma money they took or if they didn't take any, if they just made a mistake journalistically or if they were on somebody's payroll. Emerald Robinson. I can I can tell you personally speaking from having dealt with John, Jonah Goldberg before in regards to the National Review and the money that they've gotten in support from big tech. He continues to try to spin that in a way that they did not take it. So I would suspect that he would do the same in this. Now we'll see because this is just now happening. So we haven't gotten into really further developments of it. But I do expect a correction to this quote unquote fact check. Absolutely expect it. And I absolutely am going to demand it because it's only right. Well, the dis the dispatch is a big voice in the kind of old Republican Party, you know, um, uh, never Trump faction. And so it's it, this is not a small story. Emerald, we got to bounce. How do people, I know you've got the show that comes on before us on Frank's speech, but how do people track you on social media? Because this is a very big story and we're going to keep up to date on it minute by minute. Yeah, and I will definitely keep everyone up to date uh, as it goes along. You can follow me on Substack at Emerald D as in dog, B as in boy three, Emerald DB three dot Substack. Dot com and on my getter at Emerald Robinson on getter. And of course, watch the show at noon Eastern time on Frank's speech. Uh, Emerald, thank you very much. And we're going to make sure we push it out, uh, push it out everywhere. Emerald Robinson follows Thanks, us on, on Frank's speech every day. Thank you, ma'am. Great job. Uh, Naomi, I had to have this one on before you, and we may not have time totally to get into the mail side today because I want to make sure I want to go back to this. Um, you're starting to see these come up, and I want you to frame it since you've been a professional journalist since the, what the 1990s of what you're seeing here. This is a perfect example from the right of, and we don't know if people are taking money, or whatever. But somebody comes out with information, they tweet it out, they stand by it, and you have the whole world come down on them. You have the big pharma companies come down on them. You have uh, people that are politically close to being aligned with them, but the vax changed politics dramatically. Right. And then a year later, a book comes out and a, and, a, and a journalist who's doing his job reads the book and says, wow, this incident that was so big, it turns out Borla admits in his autobiography, his memoir about this time in life where he's trying to be the hero's journey. He admits he was not vaxxed at the time. What is that when you're sitting there as much as you've been hammered and you see this? And think about how he hit it and didn't say it. And even the fact that he wasn't vaxxed, what does that say? It's, it's almost, when I read the Substack, I called Emerald right away. I said, this story is almost too good. Are we sure this is all accurate? Because it, it hits us so many issues that are out there today. Naomi Wolf. Yeah, it's really an honor to be standing on like an ice floe 
that is still, you know, supporting us of the half dozen intrepid, stubborn, demanding truth tellers who were actual journalists who, like Emerald Robinson, whom I admire so much, who would not back down. And they fired her and they sent her away and they attacked her. I remember this. And she was right. And she didn't shut up and she didn't say, oh, I'm sorry, let me get in line and, and you know, follow, promote the narrative. Um, she knew she was right. She did her work. And, and I'm so proud to be on this tiny, tiny ice flow, you know, a year, a year and a half later with other real journalists. There are like six of us. It's, it's shocking. Um, and, and you're respectfully, you're, you're not right that we don't know that they took money. We don't yet know that these particular attackers of Emerald Robinson took money, but we know that, you know, most legacy media took money. And I follow the, the flow of the money um, in a chapter of the bodies of others. Uh, it's from two major sources, millions of dollars from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And again, Bill Gates is invested in the vaccines, he's invested in the vaccine passports, and he has a long history of um, being really interested in sterilizing people through vaccines, which is going to come up when we get to talk about the latest uh, uh, Pfizer report, um, you know, whether it's today or at another time. And on another side, um, there was also a billion dollars, and people have to really like wrap their brains around that, a billion dollars in funding from your tax dollars, from the CARES Act that trickled all the way down to legacy media for COVID education, to um, tiny little uh, local journals, uh, you know, all the way down to trusted messengers, trusted leaders in the local community to do what happened to to Emerald, uh, to Ms. Robinson, to um, promote the narrative, not deviate from the narrative, vaccine, 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 lockdown, 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 masks, 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 and also to pile on in a, um, you know, just keeps reminding me of that short story by Shirley Jackson, the lottery, you know, people gathering around to throw stones. Um, so it happened to her. She was right. And I'm not surprised. I was interested, but I'm not surprised. I'm sad when she told you just now, you know, did they apologize? Did they correct? And she said, no, you know, not a single one of the news sites that attacked me for reporting on menstrual dysregulation has apologized or corrected, not one. Um, and, and we're still non-people, right? We're still in this kind of, we have a giant like scarlet A painted on us, uh, you know, not adult. By the way, you, I just want to make sure people know em Emerald Robinson and you personally, your personal tour accounts, you're, you're both permanently banned. I just, am I correct in that fact? Oh, I am so, so, so extra super banned. <laughs> Twitter doesn't even let me see what's going on on Twitter. Um, but also yesterday, Daily Clout got banned, again, for posting this very, very, very important report about 44, uh, I'm sorry, 44% of the miscarriage of the pregnant women in the Pfizer documents suffering miscarriages. We got banned and our account locked right after that happened yesterday. So they just can't stop banning me everywhere I go. <laughs> like, it's not just me, it's my company. It's not just, I'm not just banned. I'm not allowed to even peek at what's going on on Twitter when other people say, oh, take a look at this. Um, yes, I'm super banned. In your investigations, what you've crowdsourced with War Room Posse, you got the great Amy, Amy Kelly you're at uh, Daily Clout organizing, you got these lawyers. You had these very technical, like yesterday we had the 44 and we got many more questions about that. You've got this new issue about men, sterility, I guess it is, being sterile, the semen count, all that. But I don't think anything shows the true character of the CEO. Because your stuff gets very technical and your head blows up and you go, how could possibly, I keep asking the question, how could people possibly do this? How could they know this and not, and not go forward? And then you see in this situation where he absolutely a CEO, when she outed him about not being vaccinated, he had his company try to destroy her. Now, I don't know if they gave money to these other journals or not. We don't know that. We'll find that out later. But her, his company went after her. In the, in the in the in the highest uh, thing, and at the time, 
he's up there as one of the biggest spokesmen for this in the rollout. And we only find through his memoirs, which he's trying to be the hero's journey, that there's a section where he admits that she was right, but also admits kind of all these people at the time he's on MSNBC every day. He's, he's almost as bad as Fauci. He's at the World Economic Forum. This guy's everywhere. In fact, that's why he writes the that's why he writes the book, because he wants to brag about it. Right. But that he hadn't gotten vaccinated at the time. What does that tell you about this individual's character? I mean, once you see that, you to me, you can understand. Yes. Now that frames these documents in something that we couldn't see before, because then he's put in high relief, not just as a hypocrite, but something far darker and, and, and far uh, more dangerous. Naomi Wolf. I mean, you know, we really all need to reread um, Mein Kampf because because Hitler said, I mean, you're seeing a lot of basically Nazi practices resurfacing, and one of them is around propaganda. And Hitler said, if you just keep repeating the lie, make a lie big enough and tell it often enough, people will believe it. So you're still, I mean, respectfully, Steve, it's kind of sweet, but you're still like, want, you know, wanting there to be like this Western um, kind of post-World War II uh kind of Judeo-Christian narrative of this is a guy who's supposed to behave in a certain ethical way and his and his character determines his fate um, and he's clearly behaving unethically uh, in this case. But what I'm saying is I'm asking you to abandon that because that is just going to kind of slow down our grasp of what's really happening here. Um, he never uh, expected or pretended to himself that his job was to tell the truth. Um, he is a cover. He's a front man for what's emerging as either a geopolitical attack on the West um, spearheaded by the CCP and or, and I think it's both, a geopolitical attack on the West through the, these injections um, spearheaded by the CCP with the collusion of the World Economic Forum and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and other bad nonprofits who are really trying to dissolve the nation state and dissolve Western ideals and re, uh, reconfigure um, the West, especially so in such a way that it looks like in such a way that people are sterile. And, and you know, they solve the kind of climate change problem by, I mean, I was very reluctant to reach this point of concluding this, but now that I've seen the 360 degree harms to reproduction, human reproduction, absolutely, they left nothing untouched in the Pfizer documents. There's nothing to do but conclude that it's an attack on the West's and, and America's ability to reproduce itself in the next generation. I don't know exactly who benefits from this, but I know that you can't pull this off, um, you know, without a, a great deal of coordination at the highest levels. But also, you know, Borla isn't just like a CEO of a of a tech company. He he is a front guy for this whole engineer re-engineering of society, not just the vaccines, but the lockdowns, the masking, the propaganda, all of it, uh, you know, the transfer of wealth, the centralization of economies. But he's also, you know, and I said this in a very important substack, if you don't mind my saying so of mine, that everyone should read, you know, he's not running a German company. He's running a German-Chinese company, and there's a memorandum of understanding of BioNTech, which is his subsidiary that he, you know, adopted in order to create these mRNA vaccines. They're in a memorandum of understanding, which means it's the same company, essentially, this subsidiary and Fosun Pharmaceuticals out of Shanghai, which produced a billion of these injections, which then distributed them outside of China, people in China are not taking these injections. And as I knew would happen, they've opened Fosun Pharma Boston and Fosun Pharma Princeton, New Jersey with Fosun Pharma USA. So now these injections are made by China. So we, we should not be surprised that Borla sent his minions to destroy the reputation of a respected Western journalist who's telling the truth, because he's not operating from a position of Western norms and post-enlightenment norms of character and decency and honor and accountability. He's a front guy for China and the World Economic Forum trying to kill us, basically, or trying to sterilize or injure us. And I'm so sorry to have to conclude this, but we'll get there faster, you know, to do what we need to do to protect ourselves if we really 
kind of drop the expectation that these are decent people in a Western context. They're not. We're 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 going to come back tomorrow, and we're going to get to the to the sterile. But I, I, the body, the book right now, everybody should get "Body of Others." How do they get your book to see your journey and and hacking your way through this? How do they get there? Sure, go to allseasonspress.com. Um, go to Amazon, Barnes and Noble, your local bookstore, and you can read the Pfizer reports on dailycloud.io. Please keep supporting us. It's very expensive to do what we're doing now, especially with three teams of lawyers going after Pfizer and the FDA. Um, and please uh, find me on Dr. Naomi Arwolf on Getter. And thank you. Okay. We're going to get, well, I'll talk to you afterwards. We've got to get to this other phase of the research. Tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock, I come back. We're going to have uh, the live reports from Wyoming and Alaska on what, uh, what takes place uh, tonight. Uh, also, we're going to have, uh, get, we've got to get Naomi Wolf back up probably hopefully tomorrow morning to get into this. See you tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock in the world.